This is Our People and Mother Earth on KWSO. Flu season's here and folks are navigating illness the best they can. Nationally, there's an increased awareness about flu or influenza, along with ongoing COVID-19 virus out there, and also RSV, which is yet another respiratory illness on the rise. Focusing on this season's flu, people should continue to take all preventative measures to prevent getting sick. It's the same steps that protect from the COVID virus and other illness. You should also be aware that there is a flu vaccine you can get and you should get. My name is John Stuckey. I am a physician, family physician to be specific, at uh, Warm Springs Health and Wellness Center. And I've been in Warm Springs since December of 2022. Flu season is coming earlier this year for a variety of reasons, some of which we're not quite clear of, but it it is indeed uh, on the rise. Um, And many of the hospitals uh, locally and further afield in the United States are near capacity as the result of flu with still some COVID and still some RSV. Influenza or flu is caused by a virus, as is COVID and RSV. So what should we know about viruses? So a virus is, and this is maybe goes back to, to high school biology and genetics if people took or remember that part of high school biology, but, you know, there's like DNA and RNA. Viruses are a single strand of RNA. So it's kind of like genetic material, um, different from uh, bacteria. And that's probably the biggest thing, take-home point that I would want to state. So that bacteria, we've all heard of like regular pneumonias, strep throats, those tend to respond very well to antibiotics, um, dramatically even. Uh, It's curative, typically. If you have a strep throat and you get antibiotics for it, or if you have pneumonia or an ear infection, you take the antibiotics, you get better, usually pretty quickly. RNA, like I should say a virus, like like the flu um, and like COVID, um, and like RSV, which we didn't talk about yet, but they, they are viruses. So the, the medical treatment for them is a little bit more tricky and doesn't necessarily work as well, yet there still are treatments that lessen the severity. Um, so that, that's about how I would describe viruses, but that's, that's kind of like the clinical person's challenge is to figure out, hey, this person coming in to see me with a little fever, maybe a little cough. Our job is to say, is this a virus or is this bacteria? And, and that's important because it changes the whole treatment that we provide. Everyone's different and will have a different reaction if they come in contact with the flu. Some folks might have the flu virus and maybe mild or no symptoms at all, but they can still pass on the virus to others who might have more severe symptoms. So prevention is super important. Treatment is one thing, but again, especially since viruses are more of a challenge to treat once people get them, uh, even more so we focus on prevention. So what's prevention? Well, by and large, it's getting the vaccine. It's also uh, protecting yourself if you, you know, uh, like we're talking about masking for the past couple of years. Obviously, when COVID was super severe, the, the consequences of getting it had really, really bad potential, we were telling everybody to mask. We all remember those days. But even with the flu, uh, I mean, especially if you're in contact with people that have had the flu or people that are elderly or people that are at high risk for other reasons, masking, like vaccination, is part of that whole 
prevention process. And yes, hand washing, yeah. So if I touch a surface that somebody who had the flu or maybe didn't even know they had the flu touched the surface, uh, I could uh, potentially be, be passing it on uh, unknowingly to somebody else. You know, the vaccine itself, I think honestly, myself in years gone by, many years gone by, not since I've been doing what my occupation is right now as a physician, but many years gone by, my thought with a flu shot was probably like many people in the community here, like, you know what? I don't really want to get it. I don't really think I need to get it because even when I get the flu, it's not that bad and I can live with that. It's my choice. Well, yeah. Uh, But then what somebody pointed out to me many years ago was like, hey, what if you got the flu, had a low level of it, and you uh, either from the various means of spread that we've talked about, either, you know, being close to somebody and coughing and or spreading it through poor sanitation. What if you came into contact with somebody who was high risk, be they elderly or whether they be a pediatric patient? I mean, do you really want that on your on your conscience, if you will, that you might have contributed to something severe or, I mean, I hate to say it, something that maybe even leads to hospitalization or worse, death? So, I mean, to me, that's what convinced me many, many many years ago that, hey, it's kind of a selfish thing in a way if I just say, like, look, I just don't feel like getting it. I, I'm responsible for other community members, and that's why I made that choice then, but why I keep doing it now is to protect other people. Dr. Stuckey dispels some common myths about getting a flu shot. Uh, the common thing that gets often talked, I actually two other things I could highlight, is people come in and they have a little upper respiratory infection. Um, you know, well, I shouldn't get it because I could get more sick. And, and, you know, from what I have read, it's really with moderate to severe illnesses uh, that, that would be a reason for us not to give it. So if somebody has a little bit of a cold and they're coming in and they uh, feel like, well, I just don't want to get it because, you know, I'm, I already have something and this would be a bad idea to get it, I encourage people to get it. I, I can't think of a good reason why they shouldn't get it. And I can't think of a reason why they couldn't get several vaccines, i.e., you know, get the COVID vaccine. So you've got an upper respiratory infection. They did this, the the nasal testing on you and you learn, well, I don't have COVID and I don't have the flu. Why not get, why not get the, 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 the immunizations? Obviously your provider, your clinician will enter into that conversation with you, but there are rare instances that people can't get those immunizations if they have something very mild. Um, and the other thing, last but not least, that I would I would say is, you know, there we get every year. Well, I really can't get that because, boy, last time I got the the flu shot, I got the flu, and it gave me the flu and gave me the flu symptoms. That really is. Can people get so a so-called vi- we call it a viral prodrome, and that's your body's immunization, your body's antibodies, kind of. Uh, working, you know, because we're basically giving something that is related to the flu, but definitely, definitely is not the flu, Um, not live, not anything like that. But sometimes people can get a little bit of of, of symptoms, but it it, it should never be enough to, you know, quote unquote, cause the flu and and certainly not not enough reason um, to say like, well, I just don't want to get the flu immunization anymore because I got more sick with the immunization than I would have had I gotten the flu. So there's a lot of myths out there, and, and that's, 
that's one of them. And, and I should mention that most of the information that I, I am speaking on today uh, does come from uh, uh, Jefferson County and or the CDC. So most of the information I got was derived from things I read from them. Flu vaccines available at the Health and Wellness Center. You can call to schedule an appointment at 541-553-2610. If you're at home and you're feeling cough, runny nose, um, and and you don't have much of a fever, uh, you know, should you be running to the clinic to get tested to know whether this is the early signs and symptoms of COVID uh, versus the flu versus uh, another type of respiratory infection? Uh, the answer to that is no, with the exception of that these COVID home tests are so everywhere. I mean, why not? test yourself for COVID. Um, It's easy to find that out at least. Those are pretty reliable. Um, So yes, I would say with that asterisk that that would be helpful to know whether you have uh, COVID or not. But if you, let's just say you are a person who um, uh, tested COVID and you're wondering, well, I wonder if this is flu or not, and you otherwise feel okay, you don't have a severe headache, you're not feeling muscle aches everywhere, you could you could make the argument that if you otherwise feel okay, that you don't really need to go to clinic. Again, there's potential uh, for spreading things um, to other people. Uh, and if you're not that ill uh, to begin with, then you could make that argument that it's probably not, should not be your priority to go to clinic. Now, having said that, you know, can't keep any fluid down. I'm going to shift a little bit here to pediatric population. So say your child has these kind of symptoms, but they they can't keep any fluid down. They seem like they're dry, their mucous membrane, you know, their mouth is dry. They're acting lethargic, you know, and they're not really, they're not just less playful most of the time. They're not playful at all. Um, Maybe their diapers or not as many wet diapers as normal if they're using diapers. I mean, all of those would be signs of like, you know what, this should probably get evaluated by by a clinician at Warm Springs. Obviously, outside of hours and and it seems like an emergency, then, you know, especially if if things are as severe as I painted, that's probably not something that you want to wait until the next day. Um, obviously, I didn't pay, uh, wait till the next day. If it's severe, then you should probably go to your local uh, ER. Um, obviously, I'm not defining all the nuances and all the things that enter in on that decision. But if you as a parent are feeling like, you know, my child's really sick, this is severe, and I am really worried, um, but it's 9 o'clock at night, should I wait? till they open the clinic tomorrow or go to an ER. If you're that worried and you feel like things are really, you know, going south, so to speak, and they're not tolerating any kind of liquid and they look really dry and are acting, again, the word lethargic, then, you know, utilize your ER to be on the safe side. Having a thermometer to use, especially for children, is a good thing to have on hand. But Dr. Stuckey says you need to consider all symptoms. So a a fever technically is defined as 100.4 or greater. So uh, if somebody has a temperature of 99.5, you'll hear some people say, well, they have a slight fever. Well, from a pure definition, 100.4 is, is, is a fever. I, I would encourage parents to use the big picture. Now, if the fever, let's just say they have a temp of 103 or 104, um, 
that would warrant attention, obviously. You know, uh, having Tylenol or ibuprofen present might be good to get that on board. Um, but then if it, the fever is that high, yeah, I would have that evaluated. Having said that, if a child has all those symptoms that I, that I mentioned earlier and the parent looks like is under the impression that this is an emergency, they look lethargic, they're not keeping anything down, I wouldn't be falsely reassured by a temperature of 99.5. If your child looks like they need to go to the ER from the things that I mentioned earlier, don't let that then falsely reassure you, if that makes sense. We're still seeing COVID. We check the wastewater here in the community. That's a help. It's not, it, it gives us a direction of how things might be moving. Um, more, more importantly, um, we look at uh, county data and how the hospitalization rates are happening in Bend and Redmond and Madras. And honestly, it seems to be a little bit of a moving target of late. Um, but the, the biggest news that I would say uh, and I'll go back two years for this, right? Because it's been, yeah, it's been a while, right? If you had a diagnosis of COVID in May of 2020, that's scary, okay? No vaccines out there. The variant was bad, right? A lot of people were getting very sick, hospitalized, or worse. We all know that. I don't want to recount that. Flash, you know, flash forward to today, you know, December 2022, more people are immunized. The, 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 the immunizations are very, very effective, even for current variants. They're very, very good. That's point one. I'll make three points. Point two, um, the, the variant is not as severe. So that's good. And, you know, hopefully people are vaccinated, but people who aren't and choose not to, which again, I would strongly urge that it's a good, good thing. Uh, generally speaking, they're not getting as sick, but there's lots of bad exceptions to that. So still the argument to get immunized. And then third and lastly, the, the medicine that many people have heard of, Paxlovid, it's a good medicine. Now it's not magic. If people have heard of, of, of Tamiflu for the flu, which is the equivalent virus treatment for, for, for uh, the flu, it's not a miracle medicine, but it can decrease the number of days that you're sick and it can decrease the rates of hospitalization. It's a good thing and it's tolerated very well. So people don't get sick, uh, generally speaking. People do very well with Tamiflu. And I would argue it's the same with Paxlovid. And Paxlovid might even, and I don't want to uh, produce false um, information out there, but my uh, anecdotal, if you will, or my... Um, opinion from having seen this, and this isn't written in, in, in the data, but my opinion is that people uh, tend to respond better with COVID-type symptoms to a Paxlovid um, if I were to compare it to, to, to Tamiflu, if you will. So I, I urge people even stronger if they, if they have a COVID diagnosis of like, hey, look, um, and the way I phrase it is if, if you were my uh, sister, knowing what I know as a doctor of the benefits and the, and the pros and the cons, if you will. Sister, get, take the Paxlovid or, or sister, take, take the Tamiflu. The, these are things that if it were myself, I would take them if I were the one getting ill. It eases the symptoms. It, it makes it less likely that you'll go to the hospital when we're talking about Paxlovid. And it makes it less, it, it decreases the duration of, of the illness. 
The best thing you can do to prevent illness is good hand washing, sanitizing surfaces, and wearing a face mask around anyone who could be sick. If you're sick, please stay home so you don't pass your illness to anyone else. Dr. John Stuckey from Warm Springs IHS shares with us what we should know. RSV, generally speaking, and I don't want to make a big blanket statement about this, but RSV is a, is a virus, uh, kind of like how we've been talking about influenza. Influenza and flu are the same term. Uh, influenza and COVID as viruses. RSV stands for respiratory syncytial virus. I don't think I've used the word syncytial any other time in my life. But anyway, that's what it stands for. Um, it 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 tends to cause problems in the pediatric population, especially in less than five-year-olds. So the reason I bring that up is that uh, it comes up sometimes where people are, are home and they're like, well, my niece is three years old. She has RSV and I've been around her and I have a little cough. Should I get tested for RSV? To the best of my knowledge of anything that I've ever heard, I don't think the CDC has ever recommended like routine testing of of, of adults for RSV. So that really differs uh, from the other two diseases that we've talked about so far, that is COVID and, and uh, the flu. So it's a disease that affects uh, pediatric population. It tends to be a seasonal thing like flu, um, which is kind of why if, if folks are listening to the news, they've heard that we kind of have a triad, if you will, of things that are going on in our hospitals. So there's still definitely COVID lingering. There's definitely influenza on the rise, as we've talked about. Um, and then there's uh, also RSV with a pediatric kind of a little spike that's happening there, and that will probably continue. Um, but that one goes along with kids to differentiate symptoms because there's probably people uh, listening out there uh, with, wow, my three-year-old is coughing, runny nose. It's been going on for a, car, a couple of days. Can that person on the radio tell me the differences of how they'll look if it's flu versus COVID versus RSV? And the answer is no. I mean, there really isn't. I mean, there's some general things, statements I could make. But generally speaking, you can't look at your three-year-old and easily, you know, define what what they could have. Um, But the same type of messaging that I said earlier in terms of like, are, are they dehydrated? Are they unable to keep fluid down? Do they have a, a fever that's high? And do they look listless or that lethargic term? That should alert your concerns just as much as what we talked about before to get evaluated and to see if it is um, RSV versus flu versus COVID versus none of the above. Some pediatric patients with what the scenario that I talked about will come in Parents are worried. They feel like this is a little bit worse than just riding it out at home with a mild cough and runny nose. They, they have more symptoms uh, from what I told about earlier, probably 10 minutes earlier in our conversation. Now, they may go to the clinic. They may decide to do one of those tests that checks for all of them, and they may have none of the above. And so the treatment then would be what we call supportive Increased fluids, Tylenol or ibuprofen, depending on the this, the case, um, and so that's that's a little bit about RSV. 
Um, the treatments, if people do have RSV, there are some little nuances from a clinical person standpoint. So if you're seeing with your pediatric patient, uh, um, a patient that your three-year-old has has RSV but doesn't have flu and doesn't have uh, COVID, there may be little treatments that your clinician might might choose to give uh, to help out. From the Warm Springs Health and Wellness Center, that's Dr. John Stuckey talking about taking care of especially our children who might be sick. I'm Sue Matters reporting for Our People and Mother Earth on 91.9 FM KWSO.